Hi everybody, welcome to my channel, A Pop of Culture. My name is the Esoteric and Facetious, no relation. And I talk about subjects and passion about relating to pop culture, social justice, the human experience, and how the three interact from a black, bisexual, millennial perspective. Everything I say should be taken with a grain of salt as I'm simply a college student who loves thinking critically and discussing subjects I'm interested in. However, that being said, my youth shouldn't be your sole reason to critique my views if you disagree, unless it's truly relevant. If you want to debate any points I make, let's have a civil conversation. Today's video or podcast, if you're listening along, is going to discuss how the unexpected death of celebrities can impact their fan base, how I've learned to process death as I've matured, and how death can impact our outlook on our own lives. Side note, A Pop of Culture is available on YouTube and will soon be available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. I'll update the cards in description as the show becomes available on these platforms. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube and hit that bell so you're the first to know when I upload new content. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review. It'll help me grow this platform and share my message of critical consumption of pop culture. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please subscribe so you can get updates when I post new podcasts. To stay up to date with the show, you can follow me on Instagram at a pop of culture pod or on Twitter at a underscore pop of culture. My social media will be linked in the description and in the cards. Stay tuned for future weekly content every Wednesday. Also, feel free to check out and subscribe to my cover channel, A Pop of Culture Sings, which is linked below, linked in the cards, and is also featured in my channel's channel section, where I'll be covering my favorite songs. I'm a singer and I want to grow my abilities and share my passion with the world through YouTube. I love singing music, especially throwback army music and pop. So, definitely check it out if it interests you. New uploads will be made to the channel every Wednesday as well. Now with all that being said, let's get into the video essay podcast. Part 1. Background. Trigger warning for discussions of death, death of pop singer Aliyah, death in a plane crash, drowning, cancer, mentions of sexual assault allegations, mentions of Kobe Bryant's passing. Okay, here we go. I have always been a fan of R&B music. My parents raised me on throwbacks. Anita Baker, SOS Band, Gap Band, you name it. Hearing throwback R&B music makes me think back to a simpler time when I was younger. I remember riding about my hometown in the backseat of the family car past familiar million marks. The smooth, soulful voices ascending over melodic accompaniment put my mind at ease as we drove past relatives' homes, waving at aunts, uncles, and cousins. I remember looking out to a calming, beautiful sunset. Nothing had to be said. A silent peace existed between the four of us sitting together in the car, all enjoying the melodies together. The soulful voices put me at ease, and no matter what worry I had in my mind, the music was able to touch base with my soul and calm me down. However, listening to music was only the beginning for me. From an early age, I recall being inspired by beautiful, powerful voices that made me feel. As the Edda James song at last dates, I found a dream I could press my cheek to, a dream that I could call my own. Through the years, many singers caught my ear inspired me to sing in different ways, to challenge myself, to evolve my sound and delivery. But today I'm here to discuss one voice that is no longer present with us in the way they once were. Part two, my beginning, which came after her end. 
The title of this podcast is The Impact of Celebrity Death, and I want to discuss how the death of celebrities I have been a fan of has impacted me on a personal level and how death of beloved celebrities can impact the public in order to process and unpack a topic that I've thought about a great deal lately. The first celebrity I want to discuss is the late Alia Dana Houghton. I was born in late 1998, so I was not old enough to actively experience Alia in her prime. In fact, for the longest time, I had no idea who Alia was. I remember hearing songs like Rock the Boat, At Your Best, Your Love, and Try Again in Airplay. But at the time, they were just catchy songs I had simply heard enough on the radio to recognize, enjoy, and sing along to. I didn't know the singer of these songs, much less the sexual innuendo present in the aforementioned single. It wasn't until years later I got my formal introduction to late singers legacy. As someone who loves singing in pop culture in general, namely black pop culture, I was always watching TV One. For anyone who doesn't know TV One, TV One is a TV network that airs reruns of popular black sitcoms like Martin, The Parkers, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Give Me a Break, Sanford Son, A Different World, Living Single, and many others. TV One also produces quality content centered around the lives of Black Americans, including shows like For My Man, a show that discusses women who commit, and I quote, heinous crimes in the name of love, and unsung, which profiles the life of Black musicians who are unsung or who did not attain mainstream success, and Life After, which talks about actors post-fame. Watching Black sitcoms and also shows like Unsung and Life After broadened my understanding of Black pop culture beyond what I'd seen in my life in the 2000s and beyond. I began to build a mental timeline of Black culture predating my existence and began to have understanding of how certain acts, shows, movies, and music influenced later acts, productions, and even Black representation throughout pop culture. I appreciated Good Times and The Cosby Show, not only for their rewatch value, but for the foundation they provided, which allowed me to grow up on shows like The Proud Family and That's a Raven. I recall one day coming across a documentary running on the channel about Aaliyah detailing her rise to fame, her unique style, detailing the ups and downs of her short but impactful career, followed by her untimely demise. Upon doing further research for anyone who was wondering, I did some digging and found that this documentary was likely a documentary initially aired on BET in 2011 called Aaliyah Won the Million to commemorate the 10th anniversary of her passing. Prior to watching this, I had heard those older than me critiquing the Lifetime movie produced by Wendy Williams and others. We'll touch on this later. Made about her to no end. But, in, but at the time, I had no context to add to the conversation regarding Alia. As I had stated, I wasn't around to observe her in her career. I was only introduced to her music through airplay of some of her singles. However, after watching the documentary, I remember feeling something different than I had felt watching Unsung or Life After. Though they might not have attained the mainstream success or fame, many were legends who were household names in Black homes who would always have a place on a cookout playlist, at drunk or sober karaoke sessions, at a holiday gathering, or in syndication on Black or Black-affiliated networks. However, watching this documentary about Aaliyah, I felt uneasy. Usually when I heard about a singer whose music I had liked, I had a discography from the 90s to the present of albums to listen to, and also music videos and interviews from years back to the present to watch. I could watch her evolution from a teen to someone raising teens, see their voice, their artistry, and the mess of person mature. 
2013, I could watch Kelly Clarkson hit a whistle note in her rendition of Aretha Franklin's He Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman on American Idol. Then watch a current interview. Listen to her at, at the time, new singles like Catch My Breath and People Like Us. Heck, I can watch her on her talk show now or The Voice. I could watch Beyonce's Rise to Fame and Destiny's Child originally, Girls' Time, and also see her go solo and drastically reinvent her sound with, and further impact the pop cultural narrative with each album. I could watch Christina Aguilera, also known as Christina, with every album comes a new era. From her Mickey Mouse Clubhouse days to, a, to becoming a seasoned performer with six Grammys, a residency, and two little Mouseketeers of her own. But now I was being introduced to a beautiful singer with a unique style of vocal delivery. But unlike Beyonce, Kelly, or Christina, I couldn't follow up with her, see her progress, how she'd grown and matured over the years, see her voice grow and change, see her settle down, get married, and have kids. Her whole life, or rather what was publicly shared, her career, her iconic personality and style that captivated millions due to her tragic demise came and went before I was even old enough to experience and embrace it. At the time I watched this documentary, I was still a young teenager at the time, though, so death was a topic I hadn't had too much experience in beyond the death of older people who had lived long lives, whose bodies had faced a fair amount of wear and tear in their many days on this planet. I had never really had a lot of experience with tragic death, and as a young person, the experiences I had with death I didn't think about too often. I recall listening to announcements on the middle school news that had told of the two students' deaths. The first announcement was about a student passing away from cancer. The second announcement a few months later was about a student drowning alongside his stepfather who tried to save him. I remember feeling a sense of unease within, realizing I could perish. Seeing old people die, especially those you'd cared about personally like your grandparents, was hard. But it hurt a lot less in comparison to seeing a young people your own age pass because it reminded you it could happen any moment, any minute, which is a terrifying thought to have. It's like when someone tells you Santa Claus isn't real. Once you learn the truth of life, you can't unlearn it. And even if you have a religious belief of where you go, the permanence of death I can only speak for me, but I feel once you learn the truth of life, you can't unlearn it. And even if you have a religious belief of where you go, the permanence of death and the uncertainty of anything following it is something you learn to fear. That fear and respect makes you buckle your seatbelt, practice stranger danger, and look for escape routes when in large crowds. That unease led me to unintentionally keep my distance from Alia's work for a while. Though I loved her voice and her music, which caused me to download songs like Rock the Boat, Try Again, and Back and Forth to my phone, two of which weren't available on streaming platforms, meaning I had to get crafty, her death made me feel a little uncomfortable doing further research on her and her legacy. It was incredibly hard to discuss her legacy without discussing her tragic demise, so it was easier not to go that deep as a young teen, with becoming newly more and more aware of my own mortality, not only through the tragic passing of those two students at my middle school that year, but also at my church. I recall attending children's church with my sister and having an array of engaging volunteers who taught us time to time. One of the teachers was a young man who I remember was always put together with a fresh haircut, tailored church clothes, and a kind smile. He was always kind and engaging with my class of middle school age students who would bring us treats and play games with us to keep us engaged in our Bible study. He was one of my favorite teachers, and I was always happy to see him there. He was old enough to be an adult, but young and fun enough to still be cool. 
I recall my parents telling me that he had come up missing, then seeing his face on the news. Churchwide prayers for his return. Personal prayers for his safe return. Uneventful updates from his worried wife and ultimately the discovery of his remains. Luckily, at the time, I didn't choose to Google what had become of my late Sunday school teacher, which I later did when I was much older. But what I found out was enough at the time to seriously upset me. A kind, friendly man could be teaching Bible stories in one day and end up missing and dead the next. A happy wife with a loving husband could become a widow at any moment. As a young person, negative traumatic experiences like this surrounding death made it made as a young person negative traumatic experiences like this surrounding death made me avoid it in my personal life which led me to steer clear of acts like Aaliyah because they reminded me of my own mortality and what appeared to be cruel and sick happenings of life that had no rhyme or reason however as I became older my interest in R&B grew and certain names continued to hit me like Tony Braxton, Brandy, Monica, and Aaliyah. Watching Trini Trent, Delisa Hunter, and many other YouTube commentators who grew up during this time frame, curiosity got the cat, and I wanted to expand my pop cultural knowledge and singing skill sets through exposing myself to these beloved acts. Thinking I invested in Spotify, and as I input my favorite artist songs into playlists, their software suggested like tracks, and soon my music's taste were growing beyond the music I had been exposed to in my youth from my parents playing throwback stations with slow jams and the popular music of the time to new music that predated me. After playing both Brandy's and Tony's debut albums on repeat for nearly a year, I began to hear the time-old chatter of, of comparison of the teen acts of the 90s. After having played hits like Rock the Vote, Try Again, Back and Forth, and At Your Best You Are Love, and being taken with other music from the era, and watching Trini Trent's video on Aaliyah's legacy, I finally decided it was time. I began to read up on Aaliyah, watch interviews, listen to other singles, and watch her music video. And in 2019, 18 years after her passing, I finally understood the hype. I saw the young, beautiful, confident, but not cocky talent that was Aaliyah. Whether in an interview, a music video, or even on a track, she exuded a kind, humble spirit that had a passion that made you want to watch made you want to listen. She had the talent. She had the beauty. She had the personality. I became obsessed with her, her style, the way she spoke with the swagger and charm that felt beyond her years. It's confidence and self-assuredness which she exuded at such a young age alongside with the heart she was shown to have towards those she loved. The way she sung was unique in its own way. She wasn't a belter. She wasn't someone who riffed like Christina, Mariah, or Brandy, but her ad-libs, her tone, her delivery and her signature sound made her a voice in her own language that many could aspire to, but no one could duplicate. I found myself listening to songs over and over and over again. Interviews, articles, photographs, live performances. As someone who grew up loving singing and performing, observing someone who had this dream and the connections and the ability to have a career I dreamed of from such a young age with such skill was a sight to see. However, first I did my research, there was a topic I could not avoid facing her passing. The more and more I fell in love with the personality and art of Leah, the more difficult it was to face her demise. She was no longer an unnamed voice who sung Rock the Boat. She was a captivating personality, a real person I could connect with who had similar goals. A person who I felt like was a role model in the fact that she had a dream, sought it, and succeeded in it. Suddenly the graphic photos and videos of the plane crash felt even more unsettling. Growing up, when I finally had learned who Aaliyah was, she had always been someone who was dead. 
It was a fact of life, like reading names out of a history book, seeing tombstones in a, in a cemetery from the 1800s, or thinking about the people who recorded the laugh track. However, seeing her career, seeing her progress, her interactions with her family, and seeing where she was going professionally and musically before the fatal plane crash, I realized that it wasn't just a fact of life. Had she not gotten on the flight with her bodyguards, label personnel, makeup artists, and hairstylists, forgive me if I've forgotten anyone, their lives would have not been cut short and anything could have happened. I think that's the terror I had with it all. Thinking about this incredibly talented woman who had inspired millions, who was somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, friend, perishing in such a horrific manner, especially at such a young age, not too far from my own. According to Billboard, pathologist Dr. Giovander Raju, who performed her autopsy, Alia suffered from a generally weak heart. According to her autopsy, Aliyah went into such a state of shock. Even if she had survived the crash, recovery would have been near impossible, Raju said during a coroner's inquest on November 9, 2003. I think the hardest part about a tragic death like Aliyah's is that if you're someone like me, someone who has a very active imagination, a morbid curiosity, and an empathetic nature, you ask yourself, what was it like? I remember talking to a friend about graphic forms of death and trauma, and I remember telling him, in some cases, when I think about certain things, my mind just goes black because I can't physically imagine those things in my head. Of course, I acknowledge that's a privilege not everyone is privy to, but it's how my mind has learned to process the unthinkable. What hurt the most was I had bought into Aaliyah. I wanted to see her grow as a person and as an artist, but instead of imagining how her sound was going to evolve who she was going to marry and what their babies were going to look like. I was trying to shut off my mind's eye from picturing her last moments, my heart breaking each time. It got to the point where I would get chills each time I would hear a song of hers on my playlist. I cried seeing interviews of her bright-eyed, happy, and 14, thinking about how unbeknownst to her, she had years left before her end. I remember listening to the song, AJ Nothing But a Number, and feeling sick thinking about the implications and simultaneously being captivated by her beautiful vocals on the track. Knowing the limited time she had on this planet, thinking about the ways in which she could have been exploited by predators made me even more uneasy as it felt like a part of those 22 years that could have been filled with joy was stolen from a person who could have, who could have had horrific intentions. I recall crying listening to At Your Best, thinking of a young teen in the studio with a beautiful voice who not only had talent, but dreams, a family, and a future that would soon be cut short. Following Alia's career feels like a countdown to the horrific end if you let it consume how you reconcile her legacy. I wondered, what if someone had told her not to go on that plane? What would have become of her? And the hard pill to swallow was, we'll never know. That was made worse by the gruesome murders of Alexis Crawford, Anaya Blanchard, and Ruth George, who were all college students around my age at that occurred that time in the semester. May they each rest in peace. Seeing Aaliyah pass at 22 when I was 21, while I was also seeing youth at university meet horrific ends via gruesome murders, was traumatic because I have plans for my future, and it was alarming to think an accident or an act of evil could stop those in their tracks. That's the crazy thing about life. It moves on and 
after the unthinkable happens, time continues to go on. But maybe that's a good thing. Though tragedy can occur, so can moments of unspeakable joy and bliss. However, after watching an interview from her that was eerie considering what happened to her, I gained a tiny bit of peace within, despite how odd the source of this piece was. Part of me asks why a 22-year-old was asked about how they want to be remembered. But regardless, I watched an interview and I saw Alia herself say, I want people to remember me as a full-on entertainer and a good person. And I thought for a second, if I died in a horrific way, I wouldn't want my loved ones and those who had loved me to think about only that horrific end. I'd want them to think of all the good memories we shared together and what I did that helped them, made them laugh, made them smile. I'm brought to a song that was referenced when my late paternal grandmother passed, which states, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody in a word or song, if I can show somebody that he's traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. And though it's hard to ignore the tragedy surrounding one's passing, I try to remember what made me love that person in the first place. I try to think that their passing was only a small portion of their life and likely was smaller than the amount of time they spent smiling, laughing, happy with those they loved, and fulfilling their purpose. I, even though I am an atheist, pray that their passing was painless, and hopefully they didn't feel it or were aware of it, or were unaware of it. I try to move on and utilize the time I have left in this life, as I know many would love to have the time I have and didn't get the chance to live and experience beyond a certain age. Now, some of you might think it's crazy to cry over a celebrity I've never met, especially when people die every single day. Some people would say I should be more concerned about those who die of starvation, lack of access to clean water, and sex trafficking. I would, like, I would state that I have enough empathy and sympathy for both parties, and I would like to state that we should not underestimate the power of parasocial relationships we build with those we admire. Wikipedia defines, not saying Wikipedia is a reliable source, but I'm just trying to provide a definition. Wikipedia defines our social relationship as follows. Parasocial interaction refers to a kind of psychological relationship experienced by an audience in their mediated encounters with performers in the mass media, particularly on television. Viewers or listeners come to consider media personalities as friends despite having limited interactions with them. And in capitalist that's the end of the definition. In a capitalist society where pr- productivity is essential, we work a great deal of our life, and though we have the chance to build relationships with others, there is a lot of time we spend by ourselves. In that time, art forms like music can bring us peace, take us to places we've never been, inspire us, and connect us with a person we've never met. Finding artists we resonate with, identify with, want to be like, and live vicariously through, we watch interviews, music videos, movies, and listen to albums. And through this, we feel more connected to that person. We almost feel like we knew them. We celebrate their victories that we see. We mourn their losses that we see. We attend concerts, follow them on social media, pay an arm and a leg to get meet and greet tickets. Because in some of those dark, lonely moments, that song made you feel less alone. That lyric or joke or play gave you the push that you needed to go on and believe you could make it. The interview comment made you laugh when you were feeling down and got your mind off whatever you were thinking. And slowly but surely, you build a parasocial relationship that might be based on news clips and interviews that might not have been the most authentic, but still rang true to you. 
So when news comes out that this person is gone, facing a health scare, or is going through any form of hardship, you feel for them. Because though you haven't met them, because you haven't met them or likely met them in a performative setting, like a meet and greet or a CD signing, you probably don't have any bad experiences of them. For instance, on Rick and Morty Season 2, Episode 4, the family battles parasites who implant false memories into their minds. Eventually, they're able to find out who the parasites are and get rid of them by finding out who they have positive and negative memories of. The parasites only have good memories with the family, and the actor family members are the ones they have positive and negative experiences with. I feel like most of us don't have a lot of negative opinions regarding our favorite celebrities. Even though certain situations might arise regarding them, such as sexual assault allegations relating to the late Kobe Bryant. Wow, feels so weird to say the late. And Michael Jackson. Though there was evidence to suggest these men could have been innocent, the resounding dismissal of those allegations by diehard fans makes me wonder if these fans could stomach the reality someone they adored could do such things. When we hear news of someone's passing, that parasocial relationship is severed indefinitely. Whether you followed someone because you liked their singing, acting, commentary, sports skills, etc., you admired them, found them charming, thought they were hilarious, they inspired you, whatever that reason may be, when you hear news of their passing, it's over. I'd heard so much about how people responded to Alia's death when they were younger. I recall being at Ruby Tuesdays when my parents, when the news hit that Whitney Houston had died. But even then, she was just a person who had sung I Will Always Love You because I didn't have the context to understand her cultural impact, her impact on the music world, and who she was and what she had been through. To be honest, I'm still processing the fact Whitney Houston has passed away and in the way that more and more information about her private life has surfaced. Thank you, Robin Crawford. I learned what that feeling was like on January 26, 2020, when I found out about Kobe Bryant's passing. Though I've never been a fan of sports, Kobe Bryant was a name you knew and respected because his skill was on that level. I remember hearing and reading the sentence, BA star Kobe Bryant dies in California helicopter crash over and over and over again on, on the news and articles and also hearing it on the radio and seeing posts on social media all throughout the day. It was crazy to think that a simple sentence could communicate the passing of not only Kobe himself, but eight others. It's even worse to think that potentially those closest to him read that same sentence I did at the same time I did, and their lives were forever changed and not just on a parasocial level. A sentence that took me less than five seconds to read would go on to impact millions. I think that experiencing Kobe's passing showed me what Aliyah fans were talking about to an extent. In a few words, the person you admired and shared this world with was gone. With that sentence, your parasocial relationship, any relationship for that matter, that people had with that person was forever altered. That was the thing I couldn't get over. In my mind, JFK is dead. In my mind, MLK is dead. However, in my mind, Kobe Bryant had been alive, so to see something that was simply a fact of life change in an instant was heartbreaking. The horrific passing of those two celebrities and those who were on their respective aircrafts always gave me anxiety and discomfort because I tried to put myself in their shoes. Seeing the wreckage make me, made me wonder what their last moments were like. We're told our death will be peaceful after a fulfilling life, a restful retirement, spoiling the grandchildren where we will peacefully go, surrounded by our loved ones. 
However, the older you get, the more you realize if you die in certain ways, your body might not exactly be photo ready. Justice might be served years after your demise in situations like Emmett Till, if at all. Or the four young girls aged 11 to 14 who were victims of racist hate crimes committed at 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama on Sunday, September 15, 1963. Rest in peace, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Carol Denise McNair. You might not get that retirement you were saving for. You might not even know what is happening to you when you're dying until it's too late. As a 21-year-old, hearing the horrific news shook me to my core. Here I am, a college student who has found joy in my hobbies and spending time with those who I enjoy and connect with, but who is also bogged down with heavy coursework with little, if any, relevance to my desired career path, exploited by a day job that drained a great deal of my free time and energy, and it hit me. While I fantasized about the days when I'd be working a job on my own, working towards the goals I had for my life, making them happen one step at a time, I realized there was a small chance that those hopeful days I was looking forward to could never come. Just like I'd seen the sentence for Kobe and Aaliyah, I saw the sentence detailing car crashes and other incidents involving students at my university. And their articles were written with even less zest and fanfare. Celebrity death taught me the most precious gift we have in life. The wealth, power, and influence can help out a lot in this life. The fame, power, and influence cannot stop a bullet, blunt force trauma, etc. Celebrity deaths remind us that we as humans are all rather fragile beings that can be taken out by each other. Inventions meant to convenience us and even conditions inside our own bodies. Death in general reminds us to value the fact that we are even alive. That a sperm and egg met, a pregnancy occurred, and was taken to term. And we were lucky enough to survive, to experience life for what it's worth. In Kobe and Aliyah's passing, I was shook because I realized you can do all the right things. Pursue your passion. Make a career. Find success and still be met with a tragic end. With Kobe, you find a person you love build a life together, start a family, and all of that can be demolished at any given moment. The one you brought into this world can leave it right alongside you. Rest in peace, Gianna Gigi Bryant. And when you pass, your legacy is outside your hands. You cannot explain yourself, and speculation can be hailed as fact. In Aaliyah's case, her legacy was placed in the hands of people who might not have had her best intention at heart, or who might not have realized the impact of their actions, taking away the chance for her music to touch future generations and those who chose to do a film outside of her family's wishes, choosing to depict her their way, relying on baseline public knowledge rather than in an accurate way that would embody to the world who she was to those who knew her best. In summary, as a 21-year-old with many goals and plans for my life, seeing people pass, especially those who I admire, those who seem to have perfect lives, and those who, like me, are young and who appear to have many years ahead of them die in tragic ways makes me fear that my own life could be cut short in a horrific manner. In some ways, this makes me grateful for the days I do have. But in other ways, I worry as I have no confirmation of an afterlife. I worry that consciousness might not continue beyond death. I worry that those who have passed before me are nothing but decaying matter that's food for other organisms. But in that stress and worry, I make the goal to live each day I'm given to its max. And I find that the knowledge that one day we'll be freed from the pain and traumas that come from existing in this world 
somewhat refreshing. How do you feel about celebrity deaths? Which celebrity deaths have impacted you? Can you recall where you were when you found the news a celebrity passed? How do you feel about death in general? Do you fear death? Do you remember the first time you realized you could die? Do you believe in an afterlife? Let's have a discussion in the comments below. I'm going to pin my comment with my answer so we can get the discussion started. Feel free to reply and give your take. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you enjoy the content and wish to see more. Let me know what you thought of my first video essay podcast and any topics you'd like to see and hear from me. Stay tuned for my next video essay about the death of real music, which will be coming out next Wednesday at 5 p.m. sharp. For updates, you can follow me on Twitter at A underscore pop of culture and Instagram at a pop of culture pod. If you'd like to support me and the show, feel free to, to leave a tip. Cash app is below. All people who choose to donate will be featured in the credits. No pressure. Thank you for your time. Love you all. Bye.